You're listening to the best of The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Hey, Josh Graham here from The Drive. I don't want to take too much time, but I had to tell you about my friends at Anchor. If you haven't heard, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more streaming services. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast with minimum resistance, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Now back to the best of the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. What's up? Welcome into a Friday drive where we had a chance to catch up with Panthers head coach Matt Rule a short while ago. We'll get to that in a few minutes, though. We need to start with ACC football, where I've been told the last few years, Clemson's superior to everybody, and anybody who tries to say so differently, well, they just out their mind. Same this offseason, where Clemson's projected as the heavy favorite to win the ACC. The league schedule was announced in full yesterday, but as that's happening... Dabo Sweeney, he starts talking, and I learn about another blow that the Clemson Tigers face that makes me believe this team's not supremely talented like they were the last few years. This is the most susceptible Clemson team, the most vulnerable Clemson team we've seen in the last five years. This team, the talent, when you just look at the team, it doesn't meet the narrative, it doesn't fit the perception many people have If you're told something time and time again, it feeds to your perception. And often perception is reality. I'm just looking at the talent on this team. I don't see a supremely talented team because they've had two massive blows this offseason. Justin Ross, a few months ago, their best wide receiver, probably a first-round talent next year, he had a spine issue. He's out for the rest of the season as he got surgery on that. However, Dabo said he's doing okay, and they're taking precautions, making sure he sits out. Then we learned one of the 37 Clemson Tigers to get COVID in the spring has had a rough go with it. Defensive end Xavier Thomas, who's out for this season, according to Dabo, because he had COVID, then strep throat, and now he's not in football shape. They don't want to take any chances with him. He's an all-ACC talent. I saw some projecting him to be first or second team all ACC. So those are two really significant blows. Couple that with what we saw in the NFL draft in April. You had two more first-round picks this year. Isaiah Simmons, A.J. Terrell. T. Higgins was the first pick of the second round. And last year... Clemson had three of their four starting defensive linemen drafted in the first round. Austin Bryant was then taken later. At some point, losing draft picks at the rate Clemson's losing them has to hit you. It has to hurt. Five first-rounders, really six. I'm going to count T. Higgins. He's a first-round talent, even though he was taken first in the second round. Six first-round talents in the last two years. Put that up to the previous 11 years of Clemson football, where they had, I think, seven first-rounders combined across 11 years. It will have an effect, losing this much talent. 
Isaiah Simmons. He was so valuable to that team a year ago. He did so much. He was the most versatile player in college football. He could plug things in the run. He could pass rush. He could play safety. He could play corner almost. He was a linebacker. He was the perfect guy to have to mask a lot of the deficiencies left by losing that entire D-line. Now he's gone. So just point on the roster to me. Aside from Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, who are tremendous, top five players in the country, good. Aside from those two, where is the all-ACC talent? The wide receiving core, it's average. I'd take the Tar Heels with Daz Newsome and Diami Brown any day of the week over what Trevor Lawrence is throwing to this year. His last two games, under 50% completion. He didn't meet the expectations set before him, which were ridiculously high. What makes you think he's going to do it this year with less talent around him? This is not a supremely talented Clemson team. Don't let the perception you have for the Tigers blind you from what the depth chart is, what the depth chart looks like, what type of talent's there. I don't see a lot of first-rounders this year. So they're vulnerable because the other thing that makes them vulnerable, the talent level of the league is elevated. You might have heard Notre Dame's in the conference now. In the USA Today coaches poll yesterday, they were voted 10th. Virginia Tech, preseason top 25. Mac Brown's Tar Heels, 19th. I don't think there's a wide gap between Clemson, even though they're the number one team, and Notre Dame and North Carolina. I don't think that gap's very large. And if it is, quarterback and coach, they can be equalizers. That's why I thought North Carolina was so close to beating Clemson a year ago. I don't think Clemson, until they got into the playoff, faced a quarterback-coach combo as good as Mack and Sam Howell. I don't think it was a fluke. Clemson, this is the year they're in trouble. I'm not saying they're not going to win the ACC, but I would not be surprised at all if the Tigers were unseated here. This is the first year I felt that way in the last five years. You can tweet us at SportsUpDryant, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Saw your Dylan in for Robert today, producing today's show, and taking your calls at 777-1600. As I mentioned, I caught up with Matt Rule a short while ago. And here's my three big takeaways from the first week of Panthers camp. Number one, we've learned a lot about Teddy Bridgewater's leadership. Apparently, he organized a mini camp before everybody arrived. This was in Charlotte. Coach Rule wasn't very happy about it because apparently the NFLPA said, guys, I know there's going to be the urge to try and get guys together, but please don't do it. Tom Brady, he did a similar thing in Tampa. I love that about Teddy, though. He he figured out a way to get guys together and had a bit of a mini camp. The Panthers' testing has been very good so far from what we're hearing. Teddy, he's going to be a central part of the conversation this entire year, whether or not he's going to be a franchise quarterback moving forward. Secondly, Carolina trying to play catch-up. Usually the first week of camp's all about conditioning. Hey, let's run a bit. Hey, let's see if you can pass the test. Not when you have a new head coach and he didn't have a didn't have an OTAs, didn't have a chance to have spring workouts in any way, uh, shape, or form, didn't have a chance to implement his offense, nothing. You got new coordinators, new quarterback. No, you don't have time to waste with conditioning. 
You better be in good shape. You better be a professional. They needed to get to work, and apparently that's what's happened. And then you got Brian Burns, who told us earlier this week he picked up 15 pounds. I think he's the most important defensive player on Carolina's roster. More than Shaq Thompson, more than KK Short, because eh, Carolina needs to get a pass rush. That's the big question. You're facing Drew Brees, you're facing Tom Brady and Matt Ryan in the division. You need to find a way to get to the quarterback. He's the guy you drafted in the first round to do so. He's going to be helped greatly with KK Short and Derek Brown, who was drafted in the top 10, pushing the pocket back and allowing for Burns to pin his ears, uh, pin his ears back and try to rush the passer. So we talked to Matt Rule about those three subjects earlier today, and here's how that sounded, starting with Teddy. The biggest thing is is with Teddy and, and and with all the guys to approach on offense. They know they have they know they have great talent. They know they have great weapons. But what we don't have is we don't have a lot of experience together. You know, what we don't have is we don't have a ton of time. And so, um, you know, we certainly want to be one of those football teams that gets better as the year goes on. But we can't waste time right now. So I think them getting together on their own said, "Hey, we realize we can't waste time." In, in an attempt to try and maximize the time, though, how much have you found this first week to be more about conditioning? versus the actual football uh, you know what they came in in really good shape i mean we uh we ran everybody the first day you know um not there's no conditioning tests this year but just you know we started off and we had a plan to these guys and guys showed up in shape you know the rookie showed up a week early we took advantage of that the quarterback showed up two days later um but everyone showed up here like i think in really good condition so we're able to start you know a step ahead and, and take off and so you know, we're trying to do, you're trying to do really three things, you know, make sure that our bodies are, are ready from a strength, weight, conditioning standpoint. Um, make sure that, you know, we have the football, right. And then also that we're building a team, you know, that we, that we understand each other. This is a different year. You know, you're not bringing guys in for tryouts and physicals and all those different things. There's a lot of different rules. And so the people that are here, we've got to come together and, I mean, we're telling guys like, hey, if you've ever played offense before, you know, we're going to do five minutes of offense with you, you know, this in a year with COVID where you might have to build from within. Like we're, uh, we're approaching, it's not even like a college football team, like a high school football team in terms of the more you can do, the more you can do. And um, so we're just trying to build that camaraderie, get the football right, and also make sure our players are as, as healthy as possible. But a lot of credit goes to them with the way they showed up. What does KK Short being healthy and Derek Brown, you drafting him, pushing the pocket, do for a guy on the edge like Brian Burns? Makes it a lot, a lot more fun. <laughs> you know, they can't just run you by and step up in the pocket. You know, KK, uh, to me, is one of the leaders of this football team. Uh, he's one of the guys that I trust. You know, he's down to about 315, 312 pounds. That, that's, that's all pro weight for him, and he's done it with hard work. He's quiet. He's a consummate professional. He's always working at something. Um, I'm excited about KK, and, and to have a guy like Derek learning from KK – and, and I like that, you know, we have a young D-line. We know we drafted Derek Brown. We drafted Yitor Gross-Mentos. We drafted Bravion Roy. We signed Miles Adams as an undrafted free agent who's been a really nice surprise. And when they come to work every day and see what KK does, it's real clear, hey, here's the standard. And we got a lot of other veteran D-linemen just like that. So the D-line room for me is one that uh, not just talent-wise, but also just process-wise is doing things the right way. Appreciate Matt Rule spending the time with us a little bit earlier on today. As he said, KK Short, someone they're relying on to be a leader. He's the only one of the five captains of last year returning this season. I guess we'll learn in the following weeks what's to come in terms of who the Panthers' leaders are going to be in 2020. Roddy Jones going to join us, ACC Network College football reporter, in a little over 15 minutes. But coming up, 
Cam's still salty, and there's a big Panthers headline, a big bit of Panthers news just coming down. Keep it here on a Friday Drive. Let me take you behind the scenes on what happens in sports talk radio. Generally, the best sports radio hosts are good at pushing the conversation forward and taking a small nugget today and telling you what it might mean in the future, forecasting what could happen. I remember hearing Roddy Jones about a month ago say on the ACC network that the Big Ten's decision way back at the beginning of July could result in Notre Dame joining the ACC. And here we are for 2020, and also we're welcoming in Roddy Jones for a victory lap of sorts. But while we got you here, Roddy, um, now that you see an actual schedule for Notre Dame, do you think the Irish can compete for an ACC title in year one? Yeah. First off, thanks for having me on. And, and uh, my, the victory lap is not my intent in coming back. But, but uh, yeah, I think, I think Notre Dame's got a good shot to end up in, in Charlotte playing Clemson, uh, being that the college football season gets that far. But when you, when you look at their schedule, I mean, they, they, they obviously get Clemson. They get Louisville and, and North Carolina, who are going to be their biggest challenges. But but other than that, it all looks pretty manageable. And even the, the, the Louisville and North Carolina games look manageable as well, because I think those teams are so offense-heavy with such questions on the defensive side that Notre Dame has to feel good about, about their chances going into that game. The other part of this is Notre Dame has dominated ACC competition, uh, with the exception of Clemson and that Miami game in 2017. They haven't lost an ACC game or a game to an ACC opponent uh, since 2016. So, so Notre Dame has to feel really good about the, the, their opportunity to play in this league, to play for a championship. Um, and, and when you look at their schedule, they will likely only be an underdog in that Clemson game. So yeah, they've got a great shot because they've got a, a, a stellar quarterback. They've got an outstanding offensive line and they've got dudes. I mean, yeah, you've got to replace a ton in terms of skill position production on the offense. But they recruit at such a high level that Notre Dame's one of those places where you think, all right, they're just going to plug in some other guys. They may not be as good as Chase Claypool, but the sum of the parts are going to be get the production that he had last year. Follow Roddy Jones on Twitter, at Roddy Jones 20 ACC Network college football analyst with us here. So you let me know if I'm onto something here or if this is just sports radio nonsense. I think that this is the most vulnerable Clemson's been in five years. When you consider Notre Dame's in the league, North Carolina – they're legitimate quarterback and coach. They could be equalizers in ma- in many ways. That's why I don't think what the Tar Heels did last year was a fluke against the Tigers, and I was at that game. But I'm also seeing points where Clemson, at some point, you gotta you gotta show weakness with the losses you have in the draft. Five first round draft picks the last two years. T. Higgins was the first pick of the second round this year, and then you lose Xavier Thomas. The news yesterday, Dabo Sweeney saying that the defensive end, who was all ACC caliber, not going to play this year. He's going to redshirt. And Justin Ross, we learned a few months ago, he's not going to go either. So am I on to something here, or am I crazy to think that the Tigers' five-year run could be in danger this year? I don't, I don't think you're crazy. Um, I, think, I think to pick against them... Uh, is is it's a little premature to do that for me because at the end of the day, when you rank the players in the ACC, they are still going to have, I would say, the best two 
Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Uh, they've recruited well enough on the offensive line and have enough experience because that crew obviously played a ton when the first group was out, when they were blowing people out. Enough experience on the offensive line. And, and what Clemson does better than just about anybody in the country is print receivers. So I, I'm, I'm not really worried about them losing Justin Ross. Like They're going to be able to find another Justin Ross. In terms of Xavier Thomas, I don't really know how to evaluate that one because he played in a position that didn't that that he that he likely would not have played in this year and uh, he probably played at a weight that he wasn't going to play at this year so i don't know what top end xavier thomas was going to be that to me was a projection as well and 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 i think they've recruited not i think they have recruited well enough uh whether it's the freshman class with brian Breesy and miles murphy coming in they've recruited well enough uh, over the years, I think to get production out of that position, no matter what. Now, it may be young, but the offense is going to be so good. I just don't know when you go down the schedule. I don't know who it is that's going to, 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 to jump up and beat them because uh, Clemson doesn't play North Carolina on this, on this schedule. They don't play Louisville on the schedule. They've really just got Notre Dame to get through in terms of those top teams that we're looking at, unless you count Virginia Tech, which, which I actually do. Uh, so, so I think the schedule's manageable. They'll have time to figure it out, and they just recruited at such a high level and a better level than everybody in this league, except for Notre Dame, to this point. That I think the depth is there. So I'm not picking against them yet. As a former Georgia Tech captain, has it hit you yet that the Yellow Jackets aren't going to be playing uh, Georgia this year? It has, and uh, and and it hurts. It, it certainly hurts. Uh, I am actually more upset that Clemson and South Carolina aren't playing personally because I love streaks. And when you had the the longest running non conference rivalry in the country ending, like that hurts. The fact that Notre Dame and Navy aren't playing that that stinks. You know, Georgia Tech and Georgia. Uh, didn't play, I believe, in World War II or something like that. But, but and that hurts from a personal standpoint, like not seeing those two teams lock up. But being close to the Georgia Tech program, there's a lot of fans that are not super upset about not playing Georgia this year because Tech is obviously rebuilding and Georgia looks to be one of the best teams in the country. So, so I think Tech fans are kind of like, oh, oh, oh well. Um, whereas, you know, looking as a college football fan, like losing some of those big rivalries across the country hurts just as much to me as, as losing Georgia-Georgia Tech. Roddy Jones with us from the ACC Network. Before I let you go, it's International Beer Day. Do you have a favorite beverage of choice? Oh, International Beer Day. I did not know that. I do have – so uh, before I give you my, my beverage of choice, I do have an issue with some of these days, like – uh, all of these days pop up on my feed the day of, so I like wake up and I'm like, oh, today's International Beer Day. I wish I'd have known yesterday so I could have gotten some beer. Yeah. I, I, I think we need to do a better job of saying, hey, guys, tomorrow's International Hot Wing Day. Plan to get your hot wings. Or it's International Beer Day. Drink your beer. Now, now that being said, uh, I'm a Blue Moon guy. Like That is my go-to. Nice. That's the one that I, that I sit down, and, uh, and if I'm going to have one, I'll have uh, summertime, I go light. Miller Lite tends to be my light beer of choice. Uh, and if I want to go IPA, again, I'm in Atlanta, so I go Creature, creature Comforts, Tropicalia, uh, from right up the road, actually in Athens. Uh, so uh, my favorite IPA comes from Athens, which is about the only thing that I can say is my favorite that comes from Athens, Georgia. <laughs> uh, it's Roddy Jones. Shoot him a follow, at Roddy Jones 20 Enjoy a blue moon tonight. Enjoy some beverage of choice on hashtag International Beer Day. And we hope we can catch up sometime soon and talk about some ball as well. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks, Josh. There you go. That's Roddy Jones, ACC Network, kind enough to spend some time here on Sports Sub Triad. It is hashtag International Beer Day.
So in about five minutes, in a little over five minutes, I'm going to give my top 10 list, my top 10 athletes with beer names. And I'm getting some good ones here. Brian tweets me, Bob Beers, formerly of the Boston Bruins. How about Blue Warren Moon? That's not bad. You can continue to send those in at Sports Up Dryad. Sawyer is in for uh, Robert today, and he's a young buck. Just turned 21 about a month ago. When was your birthday? Uh, yeah, July 10th, so right about a month ago. Right about a month ago. How did you celebrate? Um, I How did you celebrate your 21st birthday? Uh, celebrated with a little wakeboarding in the morning, um, hanging out with family during the afternoon. Went to good old Chili's for dinner, you know, American great. Uh, got my first like margarita from Chili's. Oh, your first beer or your first alcoholic beverage yeah. was a margarita? I mean, it was maybe two sips and I was kind of over it. Um, and how, actually, how much alcohol did you have? Let's cut to the chase. Those two sips and then I think my mom gave me a White Claw. They actually threw me a surprise party. So Wait I a minute. So I, I drank like half a White Claw your, You had a White Claw and just two sips of a margarita? That was your 21st I, birthday? I didn't even finish the White Claw. I was in Greenville, America and... I hope this image is deleted and nobody has a hold of it, but knowing the reality of the internet, it's probably somewhere. I remember being like five or six buttons down on the button mm. up, and if you, if I were to describe the look on my face, it was hammered. That's what it was. And my eyes were red. I was sweating. There was a liquid on my blue shirt that was not, I think was beer. I don't know what it was. Tough to say. I don't know where my glasses was in this picture either. Were in this picture. Uh, I was just taking a picture with the guy at the door because I was showing him my ID to get me in. And what preceded that, or I should say, what happened after that, oh goodness, was just so much drinking, it led to the point where I puked in an alleyway. Right off, right mm. off of the, uh, there was a patio. I puked right off of the patio into an alleyway. That's what I did. That was my 21st birthday. And I probably have not had that much alcohol since. So, yeah, Greenville, America, that's what happened. And apparently the person that was taking care of me tried to feed me pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning. I went to eat it, and I turned mean. You turned mean when he offered you a piece of pizza? She. She. Yeah, I turned mean to her. I just she can't didn't. imagine Our relationship being... wasn't the, the same after that. Can't imagine that being an enjoyable 21st birthday. I'll take my two sips of a margarita and call it a day. If you have a great 21st birthday story, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Do you have a favorite beer yet? Um, I don't think so. I think it's either Blue Moon or Angry Orchard, but I yeah. haven't decided yet. I, I suggested you, you get the Blue Moon. That's what Roddy Jones is all about, too. I, I think I'm going to ce celebrate hashtag international beer day. By drinking some white zombie. I think that's my favorite type of beer. I've looked Catawba for it. Brewing. You told me to get that. I can't find it Tough to find. Yeah. But that's that's what I got. I think I have about six of those remaining. So we'll, we'll put those down, I think, to celebrate the occasion. That's the plan. All right. I'll list off my top ten athletes with beer names in honor of International Beer Day next on The Drive. one of my favorite segments of the week it's our weekly top 10 list 
wordplay and all in honor of hashtag international beer day. I've compiled the list of my favorite athletes with beer names. My top 10 athletes with beer names. If you have suggestions for what should make it into the list, at Sports Up Dry at 336-777-1600. Let's go ahead and dive straight in. It's my top 10 athletes with beer names. I should ask, do you have any guesses for what might make the list? Not a single one. It's usually more fun when you try and guess what's on the list. I think I feel like I've tried for months and it just never even it's never even close because you just your mind goes places mine can't. You don't like this segment. I, I just haven't under it's gotten better. At first it was it was off the rails, but I feel like you've doubted it in more a little bit. Okay. Number ten. My number ten athlete with a beer name. Kyle Bush. That's terrible. Kyle Bush, better racer than Kurt Bush. Not a hot take. Number nine, top 10 athletes with beer names. Heineken Griffey Jr. I liked it. Number eight, my number eight athlete with a beer name. Michael Porter Jr. He's balling right now. Oh, he's balling. The Nuggets are a little scary. You don't know what a porter is, do you? No idea. I was looking at you. Hopefully you were going to explain it for me. I'm not going to explain it to you. You'll figure it out. You'll you'll get to the porters eventually. It's a progression. Yeah, it's, I'm at the it's little building case. But Michael Porter Jr. It was a risk for the Nuggets to take him when they did, but they knew they had a pretty damn good team. Going into last year, they could wait on him to develop. And now that he has, Denver's a pretty fun team for the next few years. I'm a big fan of Coach Malone over there. Number seven, my number seven athlete with a beer name, Joe Serrera, Nevada. Ew! That counts for an athlete, right? Joe Uh. Serrera, Nevada. I think that counts. You used to work with Joe Serrera, right? I did. Uh, high school huddle. Hopefully we could get some form of a high school huddle this year. But after Roy Cooper's announcement earlier this week and seeing what Charlotte Mecklenburg County decided yesterday. Yikes. Moving on. Number six. Number six athlete with a beer name. Winning a natty light. <laughs> Again, probably not an athlete, but still you get the point. <laughs> Close enough. Win a natty, man. That's what everybody's trying to do this year. Hopefully we get a natty to win. But stop being negative, Josh. Number five. Number five athlete with a beer name. Shaka Top. You just made the list. Also not an athlete. How many are these uh, athlete names? More Shaka like, like best sport term beers. I'm going to change it. Sports figures with beer names. Because I got Kevin Bass Pale Ale 
sitting to my mentions right now. That's pretty good. Not on the list. Not on my list. Chris Jericho's list. Can't speak for that. All right. Where are we at? Number four? Number four athletes slash sports figures with beer names. Natty Bo Jackson. That's bad. Natty Bo feels like home. It's a great spot in North Carolina. If you can find Natty Bo, it's a Maryland delicacy that you wouldn't know anything about. But just the logo, the Natty Bo, being from Maryland, those who know, know. Or as BDOT taught me earlier this week, Y K. Oh, wait. Nope, nope. I Y K Y K. If you know, you know. Number three. Number three on my list. Athletes, sports figures with beer names. Jeff Francours. No way, man. You got to be kidding me. He is an all-time nickelback for the Atlanta Braves. Look at this photograph. Probably the best one there. Number two. My number two athlete with the beer name. Ted Guinness. No, 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 no. Arguably Cam Newton's best weapon when the Panthers were at their peak, the peak of their powers. And number one, my number one athlete slash coach slash sports figure slash you get the point with a beer name in honor of hashtag International Beer Day. White Clawson. You just made the list! There you have it. White Clawson. That's how Sawyer celebrated his 21st, uh, 21st birthday with two sips from a margarita and one White Clawson? Half a White Clawson. Half a White Clawson. How are you feeling after that? Um, It's like my... My parents aren't really big drinkers, and my girlfriend isn't either. But they were all looking at me like, "What do you? You gotta drink. You gotta drink more than that. You're 21st." I was like, "Guys, I, I, you surprised me with a party. You know, it was raining, so like people were leaving early." Yeah, Sawyer's was, lame. Yeah, you're more, not. More you're not the, the right person here. I need better company. I really do. I need better company than Sawyer. Hopefully, somebody can step up to the plate and tell me a better 21st birthday story that's appropriate to get to on air. At 336-777-1600. So that's the top 10 list. If I missed anything, you can let me know as well. I put out a Twitter poll today that was based on something BDOT said to me off air when he was walking out of the studio earlier this week. So it's something I just wanted to pose to the audience. When he was walking out, he said to me, what do you think Carolina fans would choose this year, if they could only have one, a football season or a basketball season. And I'm looking at the poll, and it's still a small sample size, but 63% of those voting on it said basketball. If this question was asked two years ago, two years ago, how lopsided is it? Like, are we in the 90s? Are we in the lopsided territory where we were yesterday when Robert suggested that me giving $5 
as a tip for a $15 haircut that takes 15 minutes was a bad tip? Like, 90% of people agree with me. Robert got dunked on in a major way there, and he deserved it, right? Here, how lopsided is it two years ago if I asked Tar Heel fans if you can only choose basketball or football to have one of those seasons this year? Uh, it's obviously going to be basketball, the answer, but I feel like we're in the 90s there. It speaks to Mac Brown. It speaks to Carolina that it's even this close that 63%, only 63%, say that it's it's a basketball season that they want more than anything else. All right, who am I going to here? Am I going to Randall? Let's go to Randall and Mount Airy. Randall, give me an athlete slash coach slash sports figure that has a beer name that I missed on my list. Man, I can't believe you didn't come up with Teddy Bruski. Oh, my God. Man, how do you do that? <laughs> Teddy Bruski. That's amazing. Thank you, Randall. Have a great weekend in Mount Airy. You too, buddy. Oh, my God. Teddy Bruski. So the big breaking news regarding the Carolina Panthers today, Russell Okun reportedly mulling retirement because of coronavirus concerns. He's the one that the Panthers traded for Pro Bowl left tackle in exchange for a younger Pro Bowl guard and Trey Turner this offseason. And this shouldn't really be a surprise when players started opting out. It was one of these things where they're concerned about their health. Some have past health issues. Uh, issues and Okun missed games last year because he had the um, the blood clots problem and he's also a bigger guy and the virus has tended to affected bigger people more than those who are smaller so these are things that you have to consider and guys are making family decisions but if he doesn't play obviously it's egg on face for Marty Herney who makes the trade but also Carolina trying to have a stable offensive line. You need to have somebody protecting Teddy's blind side. This could be disastrous for a team that already was probably going to win maybe five or six games. Jonathan Jones now with us, senior NFL reporter from CBS Sports. I don't mean to start in such a negative place, but I guess that's 2020. How bad can it get for the Panthers this year? Yeah, well, I mean, the the – the Panthers are not going to be a good football team in 2020. You know, we've, we've known that um, really since December. Before the 2019 season was over, we knew that they would not be very good in 2020. So, uh, you know, we can kind of start there. And if they win five or six games, that really is going to be the um, – that's, that's the high side uh, for me is, is six and ten for the Panthers. There's just so much on defense, so much youth. Uh, that they have over on that side. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, like everybody knows, it's a first-year head coach with a, with a new system uh, and a, a new uh, quarterback, all of these things that are going to be very difficult uh, for this team. And then you have Okun, who I don't think they ever should have traded Trey Turner in the first place. I thought that was a poor decision to begin with. Uh, and now you have Okun, who, you know, I don't. I don't want to question anyone's decisions because this is a very personal decision. There's no doubt at all about it. Uh, but you know, it's just interesting that he didn't take the opt out, the the, the high risk opt out for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars when the deadline was, 
uh, and gotten the season accrual. Now he's talking about uh, retirement after the deadline. So would be very interested to hear what he has to say about that. This might be the best news for Panthers fans, though. Uh, Panthers fans, though. Isn't it the perfect year to be bad if you're going to be bad? Um, I guess, you know, I mean, but like, but, but you have to commit to being bad. Um, <laughs> you know, like there, there's not, you can't pull a Charlotte Hornets, right. And just kind of sit there hoping to, you know, all right, well, let's be sort of good, but also be bad. That doesn't work. Um, and you also, you only need to be bad for one year. I don't believe in multi-year tanks. Uh, I thought that Teddy Bridgewater was too good of a quarterback. I thought it was very clear uh, at the beginning of March that this team absolutely needed to tank in 2020. And I think they got too good of a quarterback in Teddy. And now, you know, listen, I, I, I do not think that they're going to be a good team relative to the rest of the NFL. But if we see a 16-game season, this is a team that could play themselves out of a number one or number two overall pick and somewhere in that five to seven pick range where – you know, all right, you guys feel good about winning that one game in November, but ultimately, at the end of the season, you're going to wonder, should you have won that one? Follow him on Twitter, at jjones9. It is Jonathan Jones with us, CBS Sports Senior NFL Reporter. I don't think Teddy is getting much of a fair rep. I think you're right that he is a good quarterback, maybe too good of a quarterback if you're committing to being bad, if you're committing for a long-term rebuild. But... I think there are too many people, conversely, out there who are believing, oh, Teddy, he's just a right-now guy. I think Steve Smith actually said that. Right-now guy, this guy, he's not a guy you win a Super Bowl with. And then when I see, uh, I don't know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a year older than than Teddy, uh, with a good roster around him, nearly get San Francisco to the finish line and do a lot of good things— uh, and I think Drew Brees is the same exact age Teddy is right now when he left because of an injury in San Diego to become a saint in the first place. I, I think it's too soon to automatically say, Teddy, he's not the future guy. He can't be a franchise quarterback. Do you agree? Yeah, it is too soon. I mean, I understand why everyone says that. And if you know we had to project what he is going to be, uh, you know, if it's a binary, is he going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback or is he going to be a guy? Um, the answer is he's going to be a guy. Um, but, you know, right now, I, I love the way that he played in the preseason a couple of years ago before he got traded to um, the Saints and then obviously what he did last season with the Saints, and, uh, you know, how he was able to keep things afloat for them uh, and and go undefeated. So, you know, he didn't take a whole bunch of chances um, when he was there in the driver's seat in New Orleans. And so we'll see. I, again, it's just I don't want to grade on a curve because these guys are professional athletes. They're the top 1% of 1%. But it's going to be really hard for the Panthers this year with with just no time really to practice. And they all have the same amount of time. There's no doubt. But there's absolutely no continuity with this team. Uh, you know, I've covered this team for the better part of eight years. Um, coming up on a decade, and I'm not sure if I if if all of the starters walked past me, all the presumed starters walked past me. Uh, I'm not sure that I would be able to name more than ten to twelve of them. I mean, I, I just I don't know who these guys are. Before the draft, I looked at the depth chart and saw that the starting nose tackle was going to be some guy named Woodrow Hamilton, which I thought was actually a president. I, I thought was a former president. I didn't think was the Panthers starting nose tackle. Jonathan Jones with us here. 
Cam Newton, he met um, reporters for the first time as Patriots quarterback earlier today. With him under center, do you still view the Patriots as the favorites in the AFC East? No, I haven't viewed them as the favorites um, since Tom Brady left. Um, and really, honestly, ever since it, it became clear that they weren't going to be able to maintain and, uh, and and retain a lot of their defense, at least on the front seven. So this is Buffalo's division to lose the AFC East. When you look at the Pats, um, they did not replenish that front seven. It's a bad front seven. The back end looks good. Okay, so you, you lost Patrick Chung to an opt-out. Uh, but you did get Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Rhines, who's going to be that hybrid safety linebacker for you. Still have defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore. Um, and then you look at the offense. I, I, you know, the receiving group doesn't strike fear in a lot of people. Um, and then you have Cam, who I think is going to be very, very solid in week one, two, three. And then it's going to be a TBD on how his shoulder and foot are holding up throughout the season. So, Way too many question marks around this team. Uh, when you when you look at Bill Belichick, he's good to add two, two-and-a-half wins to whatever you think uh, this team's win total would be on paper without Bill Belichick. Take away the names. Uh, say what you think they're going to be. Uh, it's a six-and-a-half win team. Well, with Bill Belichick, maybe you can get them up to nine. Uh, but the Bills, even with a couple of key opt-outs for them, uh, I still think, even though I don't love Josh Allen as a franchise quarterback, I still think that they have uh, enough talent and, uh, and are led well enough by Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean there that uh, they're going to win the AFC East. On the coronavirus front, there are so many places you could go for bad news, and I was expecting over the last few weeks that the news would be worse in the NFL. When you look at the national positive testing rate, it's close to 8%. And the NFLPA said earlier that only 56 have tested positive. Now, you might think, oh, only 56, that's still a lot of positive tests. But if you put that side-by-side at a rough estimate, 2,500 players, and that's assuming everybody's cut to 80, that's that's 2%. That's 2% testing positive. I'm interested what your takeaway was from what the NFLPA put out earlier this week on the coronavirus. Yeah, it's the blanket caveat uh, that, you know, no one wants any positive tests, right? We we all understand that, and we all understand where we are as a country, that there are going to be positive tests. I think when all of these guys, as we were preparing for the guys to report to camp and hop on airplanes and come from all across the country, and they've done whatever they've done over May, June, and July, uh, that they were going to come to camp, and, you know, some of them were going to be asymptomatic. They are obviously young and healthy guys. Uh, may not even know that they have it, uh, and that they come into camp, and now we are, you know, for the rookies two weeks in, the vets a little bit more than a week that they've been there. Uh, if you do the math, um, it's about one player per team per week that has tested positive so far. That does not include the positive test back from March all the way up until they reported for camp, which is add another 100 to that or so. Um, but I, I was very impressed by it. Uh, I tweeted this out. If a couple of weeks ago you had told me that there would be more opt-outs than positive coronavirus tests uh, among the 2,500 or so players, I would have told you that you're insane because I think we were all anticipating the worst of it was going to be on the front end, uh, that there weren't going to be that many guys that opted out. And still, it was somewhere around, I think, 69 uh, players that did opt out. 
so a normal number. I was thinking ballparking between one and two players per team wound up being a little bit higher than two per team. Um, and so I think it's, it's great for the players. I think it shows a collective effort uh, that a lot of these guys have entered into the societal contract of doing the right thing and doing the right thing by your neighbor and wearing a mask and staying six plus feet away from everyone and washing your hands. And uh, I think it's a job well done collectively. We will see if they can continue it once we get to practice. They're professionals. They're adults. They, they, they're great with discipline. That's how you get to be, as you put it earlier, the, t- the top 1% of the 1% in terms of people who are able to make it to the National Football League. Hey, it is 440. In 20 minutes, it's going to be happy hour for many. It is hashtag International Beer Day, Jonathan Jones. What, if I can put any beverage in front of you right now as an option, what's the one you would choose on International Beer Day? <laughs> you know, ask me this question any other time of International Beer Day were another day or uh, another month, I would tell you, gosh, give me a Juicy J from Legion Brewing uh, here in Charlotte. However, I am committed to dry August. Uh, so wow. give me a, give me a sun drop, you know, let's, let's take it back to my guest on your Just give me a sun drop. Yeah. For me, if I'm having a rough day and I'm not feeling alcohol, I'm going and I'm going dry. I'm going chocolate milk. I know if it makes me a 12 year old, I don't care. But anyway, that's it. Hey, Jonathan, it's good to hear your voice, man. Uh, I hope you stay safe. Hope we're talking about ball in just a short amount of time. Uh, and that we'll catch up at that time. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. All right. There's Jonathan Jones. He's on Twitter at jjones nine. From CBS Sports. It's an unfortunate dry August. Is that a thing, dry August? Have you heard of this before? This is the first time. Yeah. It'd be unfortunate if International Beer Day was set for dry August. That's That would just seem like a poor planning move on the dry August front. If that's just a thing I'm unaware of. All right. Up next, Clemson football has been dealt another blow. Keep it here on The Drive.